Welcome to Talk It Out with Dr. Vince. This show is dedicated to the LGBTQ community and their friends. Join us as we discuss ongoing issues and continue to explore the life within our great community. Welcome back, everybody, to Talk It Out with Dr. Vince. We now return to last week's interview. Thank you. But I just, um, going back to your, your experience and, and being, what were some of your most significant, lovely moments um, that you recall in your gay, uh, you know, your life? You go, you do nightlife. Uh, tell the audience basically what you write your columns on. Give us some examples of places you go to and people that you see and, and you write about. Well, there's a woman named Suzanne Barr. She's the longest-running promoter in New York, and she throws this wonderful party called On Top. It's at the Standard Hotel every Tuesday. It's oh. only in the summer. It'll stop probably in mid-September. Okay. And it's a rooftop party, two floors, and she does attract these fabulous club kids, drag queens, trans, all kinds of people. And she'll have entertainers like Amanda Lepore, Joey Arias, and it's like an old-school party, like in the old days, before Giuliani. When you had this bohemian mix of people. Right. It's all different now. It's under different rules. Most of the people live in Brooklyn now. They can't afford Manhattan. And they come in on this train or Uber or whatever. And it becomes this magical night out. Mm. I've been covering that sort of thing really since the 70s. I mean, I have been around since the 70s. <laughs> Studio 54 was one of my first clubs, and that was the ultimate disco. It's, Tell us about Studio 54. Well, what I it like? For these kids, they have no idea. It, it was the most famous, lavish, incredible disco. And it was at a time when the country was in a terrible way. The Vietnam and Watergate had left a terrible taste in their mouths. Nobody trusted politics anymore. New York City was in disarray. They called it Fun City, but it was ironic because the city was dangerous and messy and horrifying. And in the middle of nowhere, in this old TV studio, came Studio 54. And it was, you walked in and the lights would descend and there was a set pieces that would come up and down. It was so dazzling. And there was a basement, there was a balcony, and there were celebrities everywhere you turned, whether it was Andy Warhol, Liza Minnelli, Michael Jackson, Diana Ross, Dolly Parton, Raquel Welch, Halston, Truman Capote. Right. Mixed in with just somebody who might look good and got in for that reason, or somebody who knew somebody. Right. And I was a, a writer even then, and Steve Rebell, the co-owner, would see me outside, pull me in for free. I was just a nerd. I was living with my parents in Brooklyn at that point. And there I was swept into this incredible scene that was so dazzling. And then in the 80s, there were a lot of big discos that catered to the downtown crowd, like Palladium and Area. And that was a whole other ex exciting boom time. And there was also an exciting gallery, art gallery scene in the East Village and performance art scene. And then the 90s kind of was the beginning of the end because Giuliani took over. He cleaned up Times Square. Mm. It became all about bottle service and very conservative nightclubs, people paying lots of money for a bottle with the trimmings. And the meatpacking industry, or the meatpacking district became the big uh, area. That's, right. You probably saw that on Sex and the City. Right. If you, if you watch reruns, because you're all too young to even know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but right. now it's not so much about nightlife, because the nightlife is, is online. You know what I mean? You, you go on Facebook and you feel like you're at a party. Wasn't there, um, down in the Bowery, there was a, a place that uh, used to have nightlife and stuff like that. There was a club's CBGBs or whatever. Oh, yeah. Was. Well, that was in the 70s. That was a big punk place where you go see punk bands like the Sex Pistols. Right. And I was part of that. I mean, one thing about me, like I said, in school, I was everywhere. involved in everything. I was involved in every kind of nightlife. I would go from Studio 54, which was about glitzy disco. Then I would go to the Mud Club, which was down in Tribeca. 
It was on a little side street back when Tribeca was a complete wasteland. Right. And that was a rock and roll hangout for David Bowie and Debbie Harry and all the fabulous people with narrow ties and a lot of attitude. That was the antithesis of 54. And then I would go to CBGB's, which was the punk place. And I would see the Sex Pistols and the shirts and all these incredible punk groups. And that's where you'd be moshing and people would be vomiting. And oh. it was so raunchy, so opposite of 54, which was all glitz and glamour. Right, right. And that's what I always loved about New York nightlife, the extremes and the options. I remember Studio 54, they used to select people to come in and they would say, you oh. Know, yeah, if you're a bridge and tunnel, forget it, you know, and, you know. Yeah, kind of well, like Steve Rebell would even say to, let's say a married couple would come to the door, Steve Rebell would say to the man, you look good, you can come in, you have to get rid of your wife, she's not getting in. And there'd be that moment, like a Sophie's Choice moment, <laughs> where the man is thinking, and he's like, you know what, later, hon. Wow. I'll see you. I'll that see. movie broke my heart, by the way, I remember that movie. You know, um, <laughs> now you brought that thing. In well, which, yeah, I kind of trivialized it with that reference. Oh, that was, yeah, that was, um, no, it's just it's the world today. is it? But I think there's always a resurgence. The other day I was at the Pines, and I saw guys dressed in the 70s. So I, they yeah. were dressed, uh, they had the, the, the socks all the way up the calves, you know, the athletic socks, and they had uh, the short shorts and a paisley shirt. Yeah, everything comes back. Everything comes back. Because, you know, their gays are always into macho posing, and that's what the 70s were about. 70s was all about these right. leather clones, the village people. The cult, cult magazine. You, up and down Christopher Street, there were these leather clones with these muscle bodies, and that's all back because gays are always pretending to be macho. <laughs> you know, and then you talk to them and like, oh, I love Betty Davis. Or it's like, wait a minute, you're not as macho as you look. Oh, girl. <laughs> oh, girlfriend. Yeah. We were taught, now that goes into another transition into the gay elitism that we were talking about in the movie, and that's one of the questions that I pose because I explore that in the book. Um, the gay elitism with the, with the macho, the leather, and all this. You said you definitely see elitism within the gay culture, within the LGBT. I do. Not as much. We're more blending in now, but especially back when the Roxy was the big club. Every Saturday there was this club, the Roxy, where these muscle queens would go. They were into the body fascism and the machismo. Body fascism, good. Yeah. yeah, and originally drag queens mixed in with the crowd. Then it became mostly just the body queens with their shirts off. And there was a club that opened a few years ago called Boxers in Chelsea. Yeah. And I remember talking to the manager, and he was like, we don't really want drag queens here. And I was like, this is really the community discriminating against itself. Right. Of course, they eventually realized that drag queens are amazing, and they have drag queens there all the time now. Right. But it was this kind of feeling that, oh, drag queens aren't real men, or they kind of bring down the machismo right. of the Well, that room. goes back in the 1900s, remember? Like, with the guy, there was the clubs where, well, Quentin Crisp, remember? You must have written about oh, that. Oh, sure. And about the, everybody was in a tuxedo, dancing together, and it's private club. And, they, you know, Quentin Crisp and his group were not invited, or allowed to come into that place. And they would have to do, oh, yeah. hang out in, like, coffee shops and stuff like that. It's a hierarchy within the community, and there's yeah. always been a bit of a discomfort that you're comfortable with your feminine side, so we are embarrassed by you. Right. However, that's all changed, thanks partly RuPaul's Drag Race, right. also all the visibility of transgender stars like yes. Laverne Cox, even Caitlyn, though I hate her politics, uh, have changed people's views where now people aren't embarrassed by drag and trans anymore. But I, I, you know, but I am honest with you, I still see people, and sometimes even myself, maybe because I'm jealous, because I see couples going hand in hand, or, make, or if I see a lesbian couple kissing in the subway, I get uncomfortable, you know? I mean, I wonder about that sometimes, too. I mean, there's well, a time for a place. Because we never uh, come together as a community. Gay men are never with lesbians. Never? No, the parade, you know, the Orlando rallies. Otherwise, I never see lesbians. 
and uh, they never see me, and we need to be together more. So when we see two lesbians making out, it doesn't seem unnatural to us. Mm. That's interesting. I mean, time and place for everything. If straight people make out on the subway, why shouldn't gay people? Exactly. What about transgender? How do you think the gay community is towards transgender? Well, we were so ahead of the, you know, now it's the flavor of the moment in the media. It makes me a little uncomfortable because I know how deeply homophobic and transphobic the media really is. It, they're jumping on it because it's ratings, you know, and suddenly, oh, it's the flavor. In the 90s, it was lesbianism. There was lesbian chic. It was the cover of Vanity right. Fair, Katie Lang. And, oh, it was so cool to be lesbians. Madonna and Sandra Bernhardt were kind of playing around. I remember around. the movie The Hunger with Susan Sarandon. Yeah, and, uh, lesbian was the flavor of the moment. And I, I get uncomfortable when our identity or the identity of members of our community becomes a trend. Uh, because I understand the phobias that are beneath the trend, that the, the fact that the media is so late to the game. Mm -hmm. I was writing up trans issues starting in my first columns in the 80s. Do you ever notice also, you know, since you're such a historian of the culture, and that when gays, the bars and all this, for instance, where the Eagle is on the 28th Street, and uh, now it's all surrounded by luxury housing, you know, yeah. and uh, the, down in, the, in uh, Hell's Kitchen now, more and more being built up, you know, uh, or Highline, which we helped, you know, I know it was the community itself, but, you know, it's definitely promoted by the gay community to get the Highline, you know, pretty. And now it's making all this resurgence. I mean, we've really helped the... I feel like we've really helped the uh, city, you know, as well as the culture. Gays start, the, and then everybody moves in. We always start the trends, yeah. I'm sure Hell's Kitchen will be the next thing the straights invade, and gays will move somewhere else. Where because the gays go? went from the village to Chelsea to Hell's Kitchen. Yes, I I, I remember, like, I, I have a friend the other day, well, we went down to the village, he says, I don't like it here. It's not, I don't feel comfortable here. You know, it didn't, you know, because it wasn't what it used to be. Right. But I still love the village because of, of the nightlife. I love the Stonewall pieces and yes. Booth and Settles and Marie's Crisis. How do you feel about Stonewall being a natural monument now? That's amazing. That's so yeah. symbolic for our community. Do we actually have like uh, right, rangers? Is there actually, is that just a, was that a momentarily thing? What Supposedly is, park rangers, apparently. There's a couple park rangers, or at least there were. Now that it's a national monument or something like that. There was, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, that's what I heard. So I'm just curious. Um, I worry about the Eagle because that's one of the very last leather bars yes. left because leather has either gone online or it's not as prevalent as it used to be. I actually did a piece for the Times about it. I hope it stays. Do you think it might be a chance at my clothes? It's real, as you say, it's surrounded by these high rises. I don't see how they could survive. I'm sure once they get the rent. You know, if they, if they everyone's keep... rent is quadrupling and people are just abandoning ship. And it's, I'm tired of complaining about gentrification because there's not much you can do about it, really. Right. I'm... The good thing about it is that New York is five boroughs and environs and New York is not just Manhattan. Right. People always forget that when they say, oh, Manhattan is not what it used to be. Yeah, but Brooklyn has starving artists and struggling musicians and creative people. Bushwick is now the new Williamsburg, you know. And even in Manhattan, the Lower East Side has a lot of creative uh, excitement oh, yeah. and nightlife. And Harlem, my God, they, I love that's Harlem. expanding and all that. And you know, I, when I was in real estate, I used to be selling places in East Harlem and all that. It was just uh, it's great and it, beautiful places. Generally, the people that are always complaining are just screaming out the fact that they're old. You know, it's like I'm an old fogey. <laughs> well, come on, old people love to. Oh, things used to be better. Like, yeah, things used to be better because first of all, you were younger. Yeah. <laughs> everything was new to you yeah and you had nothing to compare it to but when i was going out in the 80s which was an amazing time for nightlife i remember uh lisa robinson this music writer said to me this isn't really a scene and i was like what and she's like 
the real scene was Max's Kansas City in the 60s and 70s. And I was like, well, I missed that. So to me, this is a really incredible scene. There's always going to be someone to say it used to be better. Right. But do we really want to go back to like horse-drawn carriages and, you know, no penicillin? You, come on, Michael. Even the 50s. Who wants to go back to the 50s? The yeah, 60s the 50s was so, was so great with uh, Senator McCarthy. And, well, it was good for kids watching Howdy Doody and uh, Mickey Mouse Club, but it wasn't good for yeah, our, our country. It's and, like I grew know. up at the Cold War where they we used to have drills to like hide under your desk if a bomb drops well, and all this stuff. I remember stuff. that. I remember that. What oh, a horrible way to, And we also had all the assassinations when I was we had to go home because Kennedy was shot. Robert Kennedy was shot. Martin Luther King was shot. You know, I remember that. It was a horrifying decade. The 60s were horrible. Yeah. I mean, really, for that. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, things are bad Everybody now, knows where they were. Even Marilyn Monroe. I mean, uh, there's a little controversy about her. What happened, yeah. Yeah, so again, I mean, I remember where I was when Kennedy, and both Kennedys were shot, and I knew where I was when Marilyn was killed, when died, you know, and all that stuff. And I all that in the 60s, and Martin Luther King, and I'm just like, oh, God. I mean, nowadays. Horrifying. Nowadays, if Martin Luther King was shot, you know, it would be riots, you know? At least I think it would be. That deal with the Black Lives Matter you know, situate. You know, with all of that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't think they advocate violence, but huh? They don't really advocate violence or looting or anything like that. You know. Well, no, no. But I'm saying the uproar that would have been a cause of uh, this session. Well, let's was, yeah. let's never find out. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's have. I, I'm. I just want some peace. I, I really do. I, I worry every day. I mean, I'm watching the Olympics and I'm still thinking, is something going to happen? Something going to happen? You know, I hate to think that way. You know. You know, they said there was a bomb scare and all that stuff. So that's what I'm saying. That's why we need to, uh, going back to being in the culture, our, uh, we, and as well as our city and, and state and country, we just need to like bond. I, we, that's why we can't have divisiveness. We need to bo- band together, not separate, not polarize. Yeah. But yeah. I still reserve the right to criticize because <laughs> oh, sure I'm do. a critic. So yeah, I'm out there all do. the time putting people down. But basically 90% of my mission is to celebrate. And I celebrate the community. I celebrate the people who move things forward. Mm. What would you think? What, what are your plans for the future? I mean, what do you wish for the society, uh, the gay community for the future? Well, I would love to see an LGBT president. We, we've oh. seen an African-American. We might see a female. I'd like to see an out. Do you think out. a country could really handle that? Absolutely. Did you think they could handle an African-American president when we were growing up? Never. Mm. So obviously it's going to happen. I hope so. Can it say first lady? Who's going to be the first lady? <laughs> uh, whoever they're married to. <laughs> no, this guy. What are you going to call him? First gentleman. So I guess it's going to, what are they going to call Mr. Uh, I guess they're still going to call him Mr. Clinton. You know, Mr. I don't know. You still call him President Clinton because he used to be president. Yes. Oh, they... so it's two President Clintons. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be, the, if you say President Clinton, they're both going to go, yes? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I mean her. Yeah. I just hope he behaves and keeps it in his pants. Ooh. <laughs> well, let's face it. It's embarrassing. I think he learned his lesson. I think he learned his lesson. If, if he doesn't, I well, I don't even want to go there anymore. I actually like Anthony Weiner as a candidate. He's the guy who was disgraced for sexting. Oh, that was so, yeah. He's obviously indiscreet and stupid, but he's obviously he was the best candidate for mayor at that point. And I think he's going to try to make a comeback and run for mayor. Well, I saw Spitzer recently, and uh, he was on Bill Maher. You know the and I thought he did a, he really did a beautiful job. I, I, he's a very smart man. It's so sad that he you know he fell apart like that or things fell apart for him. Yeah, you know, well, people don't like hypocrisy, over- and his whole mission was anti-prostitution. I mean, while he's personally uh, <laughs> How many did he patronizing have? them. Well, <laughs> yeah. there was one that was mysteriously sent back to Russia. Remember? Yes, I do. Yeah. So yeah. whatever. Yeah, I mean, he was on CNN for a while. He had a show. Remember? 
Yes, yes. Well, I, I just said he did a really and good job. And I was job. on, and I was in the uh, makeup room with him, and all he talked about was his wife and their dog. And he was very, uh, suddenly very homespun and very wholesome. Well, he's trying to redo, I mean, I, I yeah. saw Brian Williams. I saw Brian Williams on the, uh, it was, I think, uh, one of the shows he's on uh, with the, uh, can't remember what it was, I think it was the convention, and he was with MSNBC. So Brian Williams is back. Oh yeah, well he it's within NBC. He went from MSNBC. He went from NBC to MSNBC. He yeah. basically was demoted at, because he, to the tune of a lot of money. I think he was over penalized, frankly. Why? Because he made one remark that was an exaggeration or something, yeah. and it wasn't. You Why know. do you think? Well, I'm just curious as a columnist yourself. I mean, as and someone who writes, you know, uh, about commentary and all that of the society. Why? What do you think propelled him to to lie about his his involvement with the mil, you know, service? And some people start believing the lies, like they'll kind of dine off on a story and they'll tell their friends and they embellish a little bit and then they believe the embellishment and then just uh, every time they repeat it, it's a little bigger of a lie. Yeah, I'm just guessing here because I had a friend who was a total pathological liar. Yeah, he would just completely make up stuff, and I would tell him something that really happened to me, and the next day he would parrot it back to me as if it happened to him. Wow! And I was like, "This guy believes his lies. You can't even be that angry. He he needs help, but he believes what he's saying." Did you separate yourself from someone? Yeah, like I eventually that? did because he had a vicious side. Well, that sounds like it was coming. <laughs> I like when he was ass kissing me, but I didn't like when he turned vicious on me. Yeah, we like him better that way. <laughs> yeah, I like somebody just say I'm fabulous. <laughs> yes, that's nice. I mean, it's, obviously you had that throughout your life, and that was yeah. nice. I mean, I you know I would see you and I think that you must have had a rough time, but you you made the best of it, and you're not the only one. I have had so many people come here who I sometimes look at and I say they must have had a rough time. You know, the quiet, introverted, that kind of thing, and then they had an amazing life. They were able to skirt all the the stuff that I couldn't. You know, I guess I was a little bit more visible. I don't know what, you know, but... Uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate. And yeah. a lot of the time when I was at the Village Voice, we didn't have internet yet. So I would only get letters in the mail. That's how people communicate. Right. So I didn't really know that I was making that much of an impact. Now, people email or Facebook me that I loved your column. I love your writing. You helped me move to New York. You helped me come out as gay. Right. So now I'm getting the residual praise that I didn't get back then, and it's a very lovely feeling. So that would, would you consider that to be like the best aspect of your work? It is. I mean, I've had kids, uh, young gays, uh, come up to me and say, you saved my life. Yeah. You know, that you were out gay on television, which I was. I was on the gossip show in the 90s on the E! Channel. As an out gay correspondent, I was gay, 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 gay. And there were other people on TV that were gay, but they didn't say they were gay every other word. They just would say in an interview that they were gay. So I made... Uh, like Gore Vidal, I think. Didn't he do that? Well, there was this guy, Steve Kameko, who was on the E! Steve Channel. Steve yeah. Yeah, and he was with uh, Greg Luganis, and he would give interviews saying he was gay, but um, he wasn't really saying gay things on the air. He was just reading off a prompter. I was saying the gay point of view on the gossip show. Yeah, yeah. So people have told me that you really helped me come out or survive. That's so nice. Because the worst, when I hear about teen suicide, it just drives That's me. one of the things I'm, I'm most adamant about. I, that's why I devote myself to it. This movie, you know, No More Shame, No More Gay Shame, because the shame creates the, the suicide ideation. You know, I don't want to live like this. I don't like my and life. So many and they don't parents, think they have choices. These, the, so many of the parents will shun their own child. How could you? Oh, yeah. How could you not embrace your own child and what they oh, are? Oh, I see that. So, and, and then they do a show about it. There was this thing about this Amish kid, or it was, he was with F. Ella 
one of those cults in Utah, and they, they banned the boys. They kicked the boys out, so there's more uh, girls available for the older guys. The, the, you know, I mean, they're disgusting. They Finally, this guy, the head of it, got arrested for life imprisonment he got. But they, they'd sent this boys, these boys out, and this one, they go into drugs, and one of them, there was a, he killed his girlfriend, you know, and now he's in prison, and he never loved himself. He never, no one loved him. His, his father just said goodbye, you know, goodbye. They drop him off at the side of the road. And because they just get rid of their children, you know, because the, the the leader said get rid of the, you know, at least they didn't kill the child like they do in China, but you know, with the girls, but you know, they and the parents never see their own never culp- see culpability. Them. It's always no, we don't know why this happens. You know, it's it. like I don't know how people could think like that. I really don't. I mean, how could you abandon your child? I couldn't abandon my dog. You know, I love him. You know, <laughs> and your dog is gay, right? <laughs> well, I, he's gay by assimilation. <laughs> it's like, he's around me being gay, so no, he's a very sensitive. I have a Labrador. He's very sensitive. I call him, but I named him after an old boyfriend, you know, Travis. I love it. <laughs> it's a great dog's name, but it's <laughs> so every time, you know, I think of Travis. He was a great guy. He was a dancer for the uh, New York City Ballet. I named my boyfriends after my pets. I do the reverse. <laughs> you, after your what? My pets. Your pets? <laughs> Instead of vice versa. So, yeah, that's cute. But uh, so uh, we're considering a close to the show, and I just want to reach out to you about where uh, where can people, you know, talk to you, or where could they reach out to you, or see you, or read your columns and all. I mean, I think they need that information. Well, I'm on Facebook, Michael Musto, and I'm over the friend limit, but you can follow the page. And you, I also have a fan page, and I post all my articles on both of those pages. Okay. And I have a weekly column on out.com. If you look on the up, uh, on top of the homepage, you'll see my name. Just click on that. It has all my columns. Wow. I'm in the Advocate Magazine. I'm uh, New York Times Style section, papermag.com, which is a paper magazine um, website. And I'm on Logos show, Cocktails and Classics, mm-hmm. which is a movie show where we sit around and watch old movies. Some of the same movies I saw as a kid. I we mean, haven't done Julie Andrews though yet, and I keep, I I keep pushing like, please let's do Sound of Music. What's, what movies do you do? Just curious. we've done like Breakfast at Tiffany's, All About Eve, um, you know, whatever happened to Baby Jane, Grey Gardens, Auntie Mame, things that have a real gay we, appeal. We got the youngin in here now, so I got to ask, do you yeah, know any of these? Heard mo- of any of these? <laughs> do you know any of these movies, Christian? I know Breakfast at Tiffany's. That's a good movie. Um, that was like the only one in the list. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> well, it's honest. an education. You don't know all about like Eve? Pulp Fiction kind of in there. I don't know, like something like that. Yeah. It's fasten your seatbelts, right? It's going to be a bumpy night. Yeah, so. Well, you remember, yeah. <laughs> hey. No, we're from, the same, hey, we're from the same ARP group. I know I am. I, I told I was talking about Mickey Mouse Club and uh, really? Howdy Doody. And I clearly dated myself on that one. Oh, <laughs> I love Mickey Mouse Club. Oh, Captain I Kangaroo. Club. And I don't mean the one with Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake. <laughs> remember, they were the Mouseketeers? Yes, yes. I remember hearing about... I remember... Um, oh, God, all the We're shows. talking about the one with Annette Funicello. Yeah. And who was it, Bobby or something? Frankie Avalon. Was, was he? Young? He wasn't a Musketeer, was he? He no. was a uh, no. He was um, uh, with the Netflix and the cello. Um, no, he wasn't a Musketeer. Movie. They were in the Beach Blanket movies. But who was it? Who was the other one that you said? Well, there was one named Justin Bobby. Timberlake and Britney Spears. Were well, both. that's in the nineties, yeah. Right. But in, in, in Annette and cello was the. Uh, I remember seeing her. She had curly, curly hair. So oh, like, she like was a, America's sweetheart. Yeah, she was. God bless her. I, 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 my heart breaks for her. You know, and Connie Francis. You know, and all that. They were both had difficult. Lives after. The, you know. Well, we still have Cher, Liza Minnelli, oh, Diana God. Ross, Ben Midler. We have all the gay icons. <laughs> oh, Cher. 
I just those lips are so luscious. <laughs> they made them out of her ribs. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Well, she's no. I love Sharon. She tweets all day long. I mean, I guess she doesn't have much of a career these days, but I love her tweets because she really hates Trump. Oh, who does? Cher. Oh, of course she does, oh, and no. so does Merrill. Merrill's like an I love Merrill. Merrill's mad at John Voight now because he was like praising Trump. It was on TMZ the oh, other night. But John Voight is a right wing Republican. Oh yeah, no wonder Angelina separated herself. Oh, she's from over him. him. Yeah, yeah. But listen, Michael, thank you so much. It was like what a delight talking and reminiscing, and I feel like I'm back in the '80s again. And you oh, know, thanks for having me. It was a joy, and thank you again for being on our, our, our film, right, Christian? I mean, he, absolutely. We are so blessed, and uh, you really like put the, the the finishing touches. And and thank you for being on this show. This is talk it out. With Dr. Vince Pellegrino, with Mr. Michael Musto, and uh, Christian Ladagovsky's swan song. He's off to <laughs> other pastures. Like <laughs> Are you dying? <laughs> no, he's, he's leaving our show. Yeah. Oh, I have to find right. a new person. But no one's going to be, he's irreplaceable. So thank you, Christian. <laughs> thank you, Michael. Thank really, you. God bless. Thank you all. All right, this is Talk It Out. <laughs> 